0: We've got a double dose of occult mythology today, the life of Nicholas Flamel and the mystery of the Philosopher's Stone. Both are forever connected to each other, so it only makes sense that we have a twofer. I love it. I love a little double whammy. I agree with you. And I hope you're ready to search for the (laughs) secrets to immortality, Christine, because some say it's possible Nicholas Flamel is still out there alive, even though he was born in the 14th century. (laughs)
1: okay all right listen i'm just i'm in the harry potter headspace so
0: i don't know where else to go so lead me it's not the weirdest thing you're going to hear today so buckle up (laughs) okay Hi, everyone, and welcome to Rituals, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm M. Schultz. And I'm Christine Schieffer. Every week, we'll explore the evolution of spiritualism
1: and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture.
0: We are talking about Nicholas Flamel and the Philosopher's Stone today. And it's very exciting to me because I learned all about him a hot 24 hours ago. And (laughs) I'm excited to immediately play Master to everybody. (laughs) Ooh, yeah, yeah. Teach us your ways, Professor M. Let's crack into it then.
2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: We're gonna talk about how alchemists were obsessed with finding the philosopher's stone and the elixir of life. I've yet to mention that today. But mm. uh make it a threefer while we're at it. So <laughs> here's the thing. The Philosopher's Uh-oh. Stone. In particular, it seems to have just been something everyone was obsessed with at the time, especially the people that were really involved in alchemy. What's something that you've been deeply interested in or deeply like a passion of yours throughout your life? (laughs) <laughs> Anything you're um, deeply obsessed with like these people were with that stone
1: And um, I know it pains you to ask me this question because I'm sure a you already know all the things and B, you don't want to hear about them again but um I'm trying to think what uh, I had a Chris angel phase for sure
0: hmm <laughs> I like Did how like, I count? alchemists from the 14th century were like, I will die for the Philosopher's Stone. And you're like, mm, Chris Angel is give or take.
1: I'm like, I'll Photoshop myself into Chris Angel's photos. <laughs> so that was a good passion project. I'm trying to think, wow, my brain just went to Chris Angel and literally nowhere else. Um, I promise I'm more well rounded than that, I think. <laughs>
0: that means that's where your heart knows it belongs. That's I really think. scary, actually. I mean, I try to think of like what I'd be. What I would consider something I'm deeply obsessed with, but the blessing and curse of ADHD is I'm obsessed with a new thing every that's, week. So. I think that's
1: the problem is sort of like I get the, yeah, like intense hyperfixations, and I will tell you, oh, this is going to be my interest for all of time. And mm-hmm. then two weeks later, I've forgotten. Mm-hmm. So, obsession. Yeah. Obsession is definitely the word, but it's also like a temporary obsession.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And anything I've ever obsessed with, it might have been as intense as their passion for the Philosopher's Stone, but it really only lasted about 14 days and then a a short burst of never uh, again.
1: Yeah. Excitement. Yeah. So, um, we're kind of flitting all over the place i guess
0: yeah so we would have not been good alchemists is what i'm hearing (laughs) (laughs) after after about a a fortnight we would have been like "Mm, never mind it's been a whole fortnight can't we do
1: something else the serotonin is wearing off we're gonna find something else this is getting to be hard work
0: and i don't want to do it anymore (laughs) (laughs) that is what i would say i feel like this is too much so we are talking about the stone and the elixir of life. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but basically it helps you become immortal. Mm. And I guess my question about that, would you have cared about the elixir of life? Like, why do you think people care so much about living forever? Why does it mm. seem so like a like a thing you got to do? Or like if you found the elixir of life, would you take it? Oh, now that is a deep question. I think I
1: would only take it if I knew it were reversible. <laughs> Does that make sense? Oh. It's like a big commitment. I see. Like you want the out. I feel like eventually I want an out path, like a path out, because I'm like, eventually, which might not even be too far from now, like things aren't
0: looking good and like
1: what am I even doing?
0: You so know? if you found like a, a liquor bottle size elixir of life, you'd take like maybe a shot, but like you wouldn't I take a chug shot. it.
1: Thank you. Yeah, you get it. I wouldn't chug it and for multiple reasons, but yeah, mostly just I would take a shot and be like, okay, this will maybe give me another hundred years. And I think, I mean, to answer <laughs> your first question, I feel like the reason is just that humans like have this innate fear of dying, which is probably just part of our mm-hmm. evolution. And so I think it's like, you know, just like, running out of time is such a big fear yeah um, so I, I can agree. i can understand
0: the obsession
1: would you take it the elixir
0: i think i would do the same thing that you're doing and i would somehow force my uh, own entitled caveats into it where i'd be like absolutely mm, i would maybe but only on my terms and if i want to back out i better be able to so i need my lawyer to read this over if, first. right if i could agree to take a shot every 10 years and mm. just keep chugging, then, like, at the end of one of the 10-year rounds, maybe I don't want to... That's a great idea, just, like, temporary increases. Yeah, i meant yeah, like, a subscription service where I'm like, mm. maybe I take it this month, maybe I don't, you know?
1: You know, and I do wonder, like, does it... Do you age? Do you become, like, 110 years old, or is this, like, vampire rules where, like, you're stuck at that age?
0: Yeah, or you... There's also that theory with ghosts where, like, you actually just end up appearing the age of wherever like you felt best or something Mm. so maybe like what if all of a sudden I like took a shot of it and then I like shrank to like a little eight-year-old you know (laughs) yeah Yeah. I don't know
1: and I'm suddenly a six-year-old holding a tequila bottle and everyone's (laughs) like where did the you come from who
0: gave you that again our lawyers would need to look through uh, (laughs) yes before we did anything So uh, talking about it now is just kind of like to poke fun at it, but the elixir is going to get a little bit of a backseat today as we talk about Nicholas Flamel and the Philosopher's Stone. They're Mm. the front runners today. How much do you actually know about Flamel or the Stone?
1: Harry Potter. Okay, that's where I am too. That's about my extent of it. And like I've read a couple of things about like where the inspiration came from, that where J.K. Rowling, you know, took this stuff from. So I know like... a a bare minimum, like a basic
0: storyline, which is a lot more than I usually know when
1: we do these episodes.
0: I was going to say, if that's the bare minimum, I know the the bar's even lower for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't even remember. Here's the thing. I was never a Harry Potter kid and not because I didn't even try to be. I just, it somehow all of the movies just kind of escaped me. I just never saw them. I think it was almost more in the books. I don't think. The only time I've ever heard the name Nicholas Flamel is I remember there was a Harry Potter movie. I'm assuming the Sorcerer's Stone, since that's the, yeah. the American version of Philosopher's <laughs> Stone. But I remember one movie, and I've only seen like two of them. But at one point, Harry Potter screams Nicholas Flamel. Oh uh, yeah, and that's that's my only knowledge. Oh wow, that is
1: uh, okay. <laughs> well, I guess I know so, a little bit more than the bare minimum. Then um, the
0: bars I, in hell, uh, yeah. basically. <laughs> for,
1: so how low it is? I did read the books, and I do remember Nicholas Flamel being a character, and I. I believe he had, and he knew Dumbledore as a whole thing. I'm not going to relay the story of, (laughs) but I do, I do vaguely remember that. So you probably are going to teach me a lot more today.
0: I felt very silly walking into this topic because I was like, well, here we go again. Just, (laughs) just, (laughs) I'm just gonna just lead you by and we'll see where it takes us. Great. Reading through the notes, I was like, man, I kind of wish that I knew all about this this whole time. So anyway, let me tell you a tale of Mr. Nicholas Flamel. We're going to talk about the mystery that is the Philosopher's Stone first, which is like, including whether it was actually a stone at all. Mm. That also shocked me reading these notes. I was like, hmm, I, this whole time, why would I think anything other than it being a stone? It's a nice little rock. (laughs) Right. But the story of the stone is very much tightly attached to the life of Nicholas Flamel. And fun fact, it's not certain that it is a stone. Oh. Spoiler alert. Okay. So the good news about Nicholas Flamel is he was a real person, and I say that because we sometimes get stories of figures who may or may not have existed Uh in the world of spiritualism Mm -hmm. and the occult, but old Mr. Nick, I almost Mm. said old Saint Nick, and (laughs) that's not what I (laughs) meant. Also very real, by the way. (laughs) Well, he was, this guy's very real, but his life was very much drenched in mythology, which is how I would like mm. to be known also. As, I going to say, damn. With like, you know, zero experience or education. I still want that title. <laughs> I really have the goddamn audacity to say that. <laughs> so, Nicolas Lameau was a wealthy copyist, bookseller, and bookbinder who lived in Paris in Ooh. the 14th century with his wife. And his wife's name was Paranel. Ooh, I know. French. Paris and Paranel. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> Paranel and Paris. Paris. Paranel and Paris. I don't know. It sounds like a movie that like the Olsen twins would star in or something. (laughs) The couple regularly donated to the Catholic Church, but that didn't stop Old St. Nick. I'm just kidding. Even though it's funny because it's Catholic. That didn't stop Nicholas (laughs) from dipping his toe into the occult Outside of his Catholic church situation. Uh-oh. Specifically with alchemy. Okay. And I like that he's kind of like a sneaky little bad boy. Like outside of the Catholic church, he's doing some toe dipping. And he had a tithe over here and then mm-hmm. toe dip over here mm-hmm. to keep them separate. So, just a refresher course alchemy was a blend of science and magic. And it is. The precursor to modern chemistry, because one of the mm. alchemists' big things was the search for immortality, and the alteration of natural elements played a big role in that. Interesting. Now you may have wondered why I called Nicholas Fulmel wealthy when his career was basically in like bookbinding, bookselling. Mm-hmm. Well, the rumors are that all of his money actually comes from his work in alchemy.
1: Oh, a little side business, a Mm -hmm. little side hustle. Got
0: it. He's toe dipping everywhere. He's hustling. So this is where the mystery starts. The rumor says that he was able to convert lead into gold Hmm. after he decoded an ancient alchemy book from the original Hebrew text. Oh, my. So right off the bat, this guy is like very good at his particular side hustle interest. Side hustle, right? Like quit your day job, man. Like, I could tell people, like, oh, I'm into alchemy and not be very good at it. But, like, this guy is into alchemy and he's literally turning lead into gold. So Embarrassing everyone else who's like, oh, yeah, me too. And he's like, no, not like I am. I also feel like if he's turning lead into gold, this is a complete sidebar. And maybe um, I, I, Jesus can turn water into wine. This guy can turn lead into gold And I feel like they should be on the same level of uh, appreciation. But this guy I'd never heard of. You know what mm, I
1: mean? Well, you didn't read Harry Potter. I think all are my HP fans. That feels
0: the most anti-Jesus though, right? <laughs> I feel like. He, yeah,
1: maybe they're kind of like hmm. opposites,
0: you know? Hmm. I don't know if there's a connection there or not, but just interesting that they can both change things and other things, but only mm. one's considered an alchemist and the other's considered God. But okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so he got the ability to do this because he decoded an ancient alchemy book from its original Hebrew text. And it was a text that, also contained the secret to the philosopher's stone and the elixir of life, which would wow. help him live forever.
1: My goodness.
0: So he's just got all the all the keys, all the secrets. All the answers. So If you're to believe the rumors, that would mean that Nicholas Flamel achieved what all alchemists aim to accomplish, and it made him rich and legendary. I mean, yeah, he's got all the gold he needs. (laughs) Yeah, and he's just going to live forever, keep making gold every second. Damn. Can you imagine living forever and succeeding the whole time because you know how to do something? It's called Rosebud on Sims. You just type (laughs) in Rosebud over and over again. (laughs) Now that was a nice throwback. (laughs) (laughs) That was a wonderfully obscure reference, and it really hit home to me. Wow. I think, actually... Christine, just stop talking for the rest of the day, because that was... <laughs> you're not going to get better.
1: I think maybe motherload is a more apt descriptor, because that one really gets you wealthy faster, but Rosebud is just the more classic, you know, callback, I think. Oh, you
0: know what? You say whatever... You, anything you say after this, I'm just going to have such a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> high esteem for you for even thinking of that on the top oh, of your head. Oh, wow. The wit on you, Christine. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Ironically, even though he is claimed to be able to unlock the keys to immortality, Nicholas Lamel is said to have died in 1418. Oh, womp womp. <laughs> and Not surprisingly, people were shocked that he died at all because he supposedly had discovered the elixir of life. Yeah, count me in. I'm shocked, too. Well, then I guess that brings us back to our original conversation. Maybe he was just like... Do I take it or do I not? And he uh, just threw it at t- into the bottom of the ocean. All the answers. He was like, no one needs to know this. No one needs to be this powerful. Here's the thing, though. Some people say he died. Some people think otherwise because at some point his coffin was apparently found empty. <gasps> so many people say he's still around today, which, like, oh my. God. there's even reportings of sightings of him including at the Paris Opera in 1761. <laughs> Can you imagine if you just happened to look like him and like people just think that you're 300-year-old Nicholas Flamel? How did anyone from 1761 even know like
1: what, I mean, I guess probably a painting of him or something?
0: Like, I'm, I'm glad you asked it because I thought it too, but I was afraid of sounding like that. Like, I don't know if that's a stupid question Maybe or he not.
1: was holding like a lead pipe and a piece of gold by accident. Oh. And someone was like, there's only one
0: person that could be. You know, but I know that, man. I have <laughs> also like what a sad life, though, if you actually know how to live forever. And now for the last 300 years, you're in hiding for you're eternity. Hiding. Now, mm. if the elixir of life works where you only take like a little spoonful and it that's enough to just have you live for the rest of time. And now you have to be in hiding always. Sucks. Forget it. Like, would you want to live forever or would you want to live Forever and also not be able to have friends (laughs) because that's what Nicholas Flamel's doing. I feel like the danger, maybe
1: it's because the danger of like, oh, well, they'll want to know how I did this and they'll want my, they want, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense that you would have to like, he'd be in danger, you know?
0: Yeah, but every, like, superhero has a sidekick. I'd like to think there was, like, one person he could trust. But then that person would die eventually anyway unless he exactly. also... Unless he also let them have a little spoonful of what he was having, you know? Um, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem like he was having that tough of life. He's going to the opera. Okay, that's a great point. Like, he's going to see shows. I don't think he's, like, that in the hiding if he's out there, you know...
0: It's killing time. Recognized. Yeah. Up next, we'll talk about whether the Philosopher's Stone is an actual stone and why Nicholas Flamel seems to be the only named alchemist to ever find it. I can't
1: wait. I have a lot of questions that I'm hoping will be answered.
2: The floorboards creak. The walls, they moan. The house seems vacant, but you're not alone. This October, ParCast invites you to celebrate the spookiness of the Halloween season with all new episodes of Haunted Places. From an infamous murder farm in Indiana to the ghostly tombs and palaces of ancient Egypt, visit the world's most haunted destinations and find out what happens when a soul leaves the body but doesn't leave the grounds. Enjoy new episodes of Haunted Places all month long, free, and only on Spotify.
0: Back in the 15th and 16th centuries, the interest in the occult, specifically alchemy, was pretty popular. I feel like we mm. kind of already knew that. I feel like the word alchemy comes up in just about every set of notes we do on yeah, the show. Yeah, and that, I feel like I always picture that time yeah. of, of history. And as I mentioned already, alchemy was the precursor to modern chemistry. Which, by the way, I feel like I would have done a lot better in school if they just kept calling chemistry alchemy it just feels you know, so much we say cooler that
1: a lot and I feel like somebody better pick up on this and really utilize
0: these this research to their advantage when they're teaching if you're a chemistry teacher out there and you want to keep things f- refreshing maybe uh, fight for the school to rename it alchemy but then I think like maybe a bunch of like I don't know religious people might be freak out I don't know I don't think that's gonna work it sounds a little too A little too traditional for the old-fashioned folks, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) So anyway, alchemy was the precursor to modern chemistry, so you can imagine how imaginative people who were practicing it were, exploring Hmm. this area and having to get get creative. Yeah, they had to, like, believe in it, too, you know? Yeah, you can't just—I guess it's the combination of science and magic, so you've got to have a particular set of views. Yeah. Th- to even really appreciate it, I bet. Yeah. And most alchemists were wealthier middle-class men who were rumored, just like Nicholas Flamel, to have made their fortunes in turning elements into gold. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting that there's just like a whole group of people who know how to do this, but Nicholas Flamel the only name we ever hear.
1: Yeah. I wonder if they were just better at like keeping their secret hidden. I don't know.
0: Maybe. Yeah, maybe Nicholas Flamel had a bit of the, an ego or was desperate to be recognized for his efforts. At the opera. <laughs> at the opera, 300 years later. <laughs> there are various aspects to alchemy, namely the philosophical and the physical. Okay. As for the physical aspect, that includes the concept of turning basic elements like lead into more valuable elements like gold. Okay. The twist, however, is that in order to have the ability to make that happen, the person first has to have discovered the Philosopher's Stone.
1: Oh, so you can't just go into it with no background. You just have to do this
0: step first. It comes with a recipe list, and the only Mm -hmm. item, the only ingredient, is the Philosopher's Stone. I see. And this stone was considered the most sacred and sought-after object in the field of alchemy. In an older text written about the stone, it was said that it could help create gold and grant immortality. One early text This is a quote that says, All infirmities might be cured, human life prolonged to its utmost limits, and mankind preserved in health and strength of body and mind, clearness and vigor. All wounds are healed by it without difficulty, and it is the best and surest remedy against poisons. Wow. So
1: basically, mankind preserved in health and strength. So that answers my question that you're not like aging to become kind of elderly and withered. Like you're keeping your your fresh livelihood. That's a weird thing to say. You're keeping your <laughs> your current like, vigor your, and health intact.
0: I guess that means whatever you looked like, like whatever your age was when you took it. Yeah. Maybe it'll like prolong or and, and like
1: heal you if you're sick. That's interesting. That's really interesting.
0: But it sounds like, I mean, the ultimate cure for humankind, like you will just be fine. All the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, it doesn't say anything about depression and anxiety. So I don't know how oh, fine right. I would be. But I think at least I'd have to live with those mental illnesses
0: forever. So that's good. <laughs> I guess back then they it just like mental illness wasn't even a concept to them. So they <laughs> yeah. never mentioned it. So I guess <laughs> now they've officially it's now Maybe it's canon now that you're just mentally, on the inside, so horribly miserable. So bad. (laughs) (laughs) I love that we're laughing through that. (laughs) Now, another twist is the philosopher's stone may not have been a stone at all. Okay. And early works say that, this is another quote, It is called a stone not because it is like a stone, but only because by virtue of its fixed nature, it resists the actions of the fire as successfully as any stone. What? So it just kind of has the same properties of a stone. In like that, that it's just really s- solid or? That it like I think it resists. Uh, it can't be broken. Can't be broken. That's okay. that's the vibe I'm getting. The like the st- Like it's just kind of impervious. Okay. Interesting. That's the vibe I'm getting. I'm not too sure. I'm getting an impervious vibe from this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I wish someone would have that about me, but I <laughs> certainly not. Surely <laughs> don't give that vibe off at all. So the Philosopher's Stone has been described as a powder also. Oh. So that's why they think it might not actually be a stone. It's, I see. And it it comes in various colors. And there's even records of how it tastes and smells. <gasps> Interesting. Research team, I would like a whole episode on just the different flavors that this thing comes in. is <laughs> obsessed with how things taste. It's an interesting...
1: Talk about obsession. Hey, there's one for you. That's a great one. I just... Things that you're not supposed to eat and wants to know what they taste like.
0: I'm just... I'm also... I'm so fascinated by the people who have that condition where, like, they can, like, taste colors and names and... Synesthesia. Synesthesia. I just... I don't know if there are downsides to that situation, so I don't want to speak on it. But the perks of it that I have read about sound very cool. I would love... That's the thing I'd like to take a shot of instead of chug a bottle of. i love just like an hour with that gift. And I think a lot of my obsessions with this might, you know, kind of fade out. So, Oh, interesting. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. So the Philosopher's Stone, it's said to be a powder with taste and smells. An example of that is 16th century Flemish alchemist Jan Baptista von Helmont said it was yellow, the color of saffron in the form of a heavy powder with a brilliancy like glass. Wow,
1: yellow. Interesting.
0: Another example of that is Renaissance alchemist Paracelsus, who said that it was probably a solid, dark red, ruby-like object. Oh, okay. So that does
1: sound a little more like a stone,
0: like a... I guess because it's ruby-like. A gemstone, almost. It sounds like we're just all throwing around a guess at what it could look like. Just a totally random
1: color. Yeah. I think it's green, so... I was going to
0: say green! I was actually... I'm not kidding. I was going to say green. I don't Ah. know... But then again, I feel like I'm kind of primed to think that because I'm a big Doctor Strange fan and his magic stone is oh. green. <laughs> well, I'm not. So I don't know. I, maybe maybe that came from Harry Potter, to be honest. I don't, I'm not really sure where that came from, but. Maybe. I, okay. Well, since we're on this, I wanted to ask you, do you have an idea in your world, this green mm-hmm. philosopher's stone, what does it smell and taste like since other people are taking a whack at it?
1: I think it's a ring pop because um, then I can wear it. Oh, <laughs> Well, that'll do it. (laughs) Because you know how I lose everything. If I got my hands on this
0: thing, it would be lost in a matter of probably minutes. So far, the Philosopher's Stone does seem to do everything or to like find its way into every industry except fashion. So I'm glad you're bringing that to the forefront. Thank you for saying
1: that, because I always felt like that was a particular calling of mine to combine alchemy and Fashion do you have a
0: a taste or a mm. or a smell like a like a one of the senses ooh I like a green apple <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right what do you think?
0: what about a smell? I guess we just gotta go with a green apple you know just all right a nice fresh fresh spring scent i did put i wrote down my own thoughts and i for some reason it, it was really all over the place one thing which I felt like i it was my first thought, and then I made myself run away from it because I feel like it was too easy is I said it felt it probably tasted like fun dip like the blue fun dip Mm, because it's a powder sort of because I heard powder
1: so yeah but I I can see that because it's maybe mm, interesting I mean ring pop and fun dip we're we're in a very 90s babies no (laughs) I've already brought up the sims and harry potter this is becoming like a very childish episode. It's a very millennial episode somehow. <laughs> yeah, it is.
0: At the end of the day, Christine, whatever you claim in your own mind that it, it must taste and look like, you're mm-hmm. you're no better than every other person who made a <gasps> statement. Because, like, one person said it was yellow like saffron. One person said it's, like, a solid yeah. dark red. So why not throw our opinion in the mix? Right. I guess if someone else said, oh, it's
1: this, and they had no proof, yeah. then anyone else could be like, well, actually, it's... The, I mean, it, it does to me at least, take away a little validity of this whole thing. But um, it is kind of fun that we get to choose (laughs) whatever we want
0: it to be. I like to think that there was a, like, that was the favorite part of everyone's day. Like, when they would all talk about the Philosopher's Stone together, they would just sit there and just be (laughs) like, what do you think it would sound like? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I would wear it like a ring. (laughs) I feel like they would have to be on a different type of powder to then start talking about this and just, like, really... (laughs) Really tangent off. Just off the wall. Like we do. So regardless of what form the philosopher's stone came in or was thought to come in, for centuries the stone has been connected to Nicholas Flamel, and the connection actually originated after his death. So like I said, Nicholas Flamel is said to have died in 1418, and around that same time that he passed, alchemy and the occult were becoming all the rage for middle class men. Which... Makes sense because, of course, you would want to be able to create gold and live forever. It's a midlife crisis, essentially. Yeah. And then I guess I'm always having one because I think if I were given the option to just know how to live forever, whether or not I did it, I'd like to... I would, Absolutely. I'd take it right away. So... With so much interest in the same area that Flamel studied, several written works started popping up that forever connected Flamel and the stone together, Mm. including a reimagining of a 15th century French manuscript allegedly written by Flamel himself titled Le Livre Flamel, translated to the Flamel book, which I like that. If he wrote this, he literally titled it about himself and then it ended up being associated with him, and the stone which is like like that was maybe the whole point of you writing this my guy
1: oh the christine book i mean it's just a ridiculous name or the Schieffer book i guess
0: it would be god I don't know if I'd want to read. I feel like I'd open the book and a flurry of bats would come out or something.
1: (laughs) Just like something. It would just be like sticky, like I dropped something
0: (laughs) in it. Probably my ring pop. It's just a mess. Something spooky (laughs) would happen. There'd be wine stains on every page. Everywhere. So, the most famous book attributed to Flamel was The Book of the Hieroglyphic Figures of Nicholas Flamel, published in 1612. And it was an illustrated book translated from a past text of his. So another book attributed Mm. to him is maybe his own, another translation of his own book. Right. That was originally written in Latin, where he wrote various principles and ideas in alchemy. What describes writing in French and in Latin? Like, he's just showing off at this point. In a book called Hieroglyphics. Is he writing in hieroglyphics too? I don't know. This man... I don't know how he has time to be a polyglot on top of everything else. Seriously. Maybe that's part of the stone. It makes me think more that maybe the stone worked because he's got nothing to do but learn every language. He's just learning Latin on the side too. I think if I could live forever, like eventually you're going to have to learn other languages just to probably make the time go by. It's easy to see how the more interest there was in the area of alchemy, the more people turned to the works that came before them. And Mm. that happened to be... A lot of books written by a man who claimed to have found the Philosopher's Stone and the Elixir of Life. Right. So it's sort of all funneled back to him. Mm-hmm. Got it. And the story goes that Flamel had a dream where an angel appeared and told him about a magical book that he was about to find. Ooh. That's the, the origin story, I suppose. Okay. Which I would love an angel to come to me in a dream. and I don't know, because then I think of Mother Mary because an angel came to her and
1: suddenly she had a have a baby so I don't know I feel like um it's not always great
0: news you know oh it could go a lot of ways Hate that that was a woman's experience with an angel of like, hey, you're going to now just like have to give up the life of a single woman. And hey, your uterus is needed right now. I don't know if you totally consent to this, but it's going to (laughs) happen. And then the man gets an angel coming to him being like, I'm going to give you the gift of immortality and you're going to be able to turn anything into gold. Oh, anyway, Flamel and his wife spent the rest of their lives trying to decode it after they found this magical book. Mm. And it was believed to have held the secret to the Philosopher's Stone and the Elixir of Life.
1: Okay.
0: While I'm on my little anti-man rant, love mm. that this is the only time we ever hear that Flamel and his wife were the ones decoding this book, but Flamel gets all the credit.
1: Well, maybe Paranel was like not into it until the angel showed up. I
0: like to think it was she had a say in this, for sure.
1: I like to think she was like, you do your weird hobby in the basement. I'm busy up here.
0: <laughs> I guess. But if she's helping him decode the book, that is quite a an acceptance of his weird interests. Yeah, I feel like she finally was like, okay, okay. I'm into I'll it, I guess. <laughs> and in 1382, Flamel wrote in his diary that he had found the secret and transformed lead into gold. Wow. I hope in his diary it says, me. And my wife, who helps me. I hope me. <laughs> it says, Dear Diary, today was a good day. <laughs> Mood apathetic. <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, the legacy of Nicholas Flamel and the Philosopher's Stone lives on today. We'll talk about physical spots in Paris you can visit and where to find them in modern pop culture if you don't want to travel.
2: Oh, okay. Let's go on a little trip. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time.
0: If there comes a day that you visit Paris, you can check out Nicholas Flamel-related locations which now I have something to do when I get to Paris one day. I've got myself a little itinerary. I think that would be the funnest trip. Well, after his wife, Paranel, died in 1397, Flamel used all of his money to build houses for the poor, which... Oh,
1: I don't know. you just shit-talked
0: him so much. I know. It makes me feel a little bad. I didn't see this coming for him.
1: His wife dies and he's like, I'm going to dedicate my life to the poor. That's so nice. Don't make me feel bad, but okay. I'm trying my
0: best to make you
1: feel as bad as possible.
0: Just a little bad is all (laughs) I need. The guilt will last forever. Don't worry. (laughs) Today, you can visit one of those houses that was built in 1407. And fun fact, it is the oldest stone house in Paris.
1: (gasps) Oh, so if your friends aren't like into this kind of ritual stuff, which first of all, like get new friends. But second (laughs) of all, you can be like, oh, we're just going to visit the oldest stone house in Paris. And they don't have to know why. That's the stuff I love. Anytime there's like a, uh, what are they called, superlatives or whatever? Yeah, yeah. You love a Guinness Book kind of location.
0: The oldest, the weirdest, the most unique. The biggest golf tee in the country. Oh, my God. There's nothing I love more than a roadside attraction. And if it's got a superlative attached to it, game over. So Mm. definitely would be going here in Paris to the oldest stone house. And over time, it was damaged by people ransacking it, which like, not surprising to me. They were ransacking it after he died because everyone was, like, looking through this house for his secrets, which I think is messed uh, up. But I
1: un- I am not surprised either. I'm not happened. surprised one tiny bit. People have ransacked places for
0: far less important reasons. I well, think. didn't, like—well, yeah. I'm thinking of, like, far more important reasons. I think, like, the same thing happened to, like, Nikola Tesla— his whole place was ransacked because they thought he, like, do time travel or something. So oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but you're right. For much smaller things, people have overturned homes. Yeah. But what's left of the house today, at least, has been converted into a restaurant. And oh. I gotta be honest, if that restaurant does not have a drink called the Elixir of Life, I'll scream. Just say. I don't know that the French
1: are as like gimmicky as we Americans are. So part of me thinks that's probably not going to happen. But maybe if they're catering to tourists, I don't know. Well, I said I'd scream otherwise, so I guess I have to scream later about that. Let's do it when we turn off the mics later.
0: Okay, but let's also like really come up with our own little theme. Like, what would the Philosopher's Stone food look like? We'll have to shop that later. Oh, I love it. I mean, something delicious. Also.
1: There's only one way to find out about all this, and I just need you to promise me right here that we can go
0: someday Uh, to Paris. Yes, to this restaurant. All right, but if I go all the way to Paris and they don't have an elixir of life on the menu, I'm gonna absolutely. (laughs) Okay, I'll yelp it. it. I'll yelp it first for you. (laughs) That's what I'm allowed to truly scream. I'll be like, I traveled all the way, and then I'll just be like one of those horrible Americans. You'll be
1: like a Karen on somewhere on the on
0: Reddit. Yeah. I'll silently stew. I won't make a scene of it, but I will think, man, what a wasted opportunity. That'll be
1: more in line with, I think, the European way.
0: Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you for (laughs) teaching me the ways of uh, (laughs) anywhere other than here. (laughs) So his tombstone also still stands in Paris. (gasps) So I would love to check that out while we're on this international trip together. Mm -hmm. And here's the fun thing. The tombstone, Flamel designed himself, (gasps) which has images of St. Peter, St. Paul, Symbols from alchemy and mentions of his charity work. Oh, that's nice. And I think I officially found my next two week long obsession, which is designing my own tombstone. If you had to design your own tombstone, do you have an idea of what you would put on there? Ooh, I love this idea that he had of
1: mentioning his own charitable efforts on his tombstone. Like, why not go out <laughs> and like
0: brag about yourself a little bit, you know? Like a little resume of, like, what yeah. all the things that... Uh, all the good you've done. I think I would want mine to look like a cool, like, optical illusion situation. Oh, yeah.
1: You definitely would have something, like, fun to look at visually.
0: I would love assuming that the space would be very well respected. I would love for my burial place to be a roadside attraction. Like, I want something mm-hmm. weird going on there, so people, like, want to take selfies with me and stuff. What about, like, interactive? Like, um, something <laughs> interactive. Jump on in! There's plenty
1: of room! <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like, they can like, sign it or,
0: like, put something, Yeah, know, stick their gum to it. I don't know. If that were part of the, like, the thing that you do, I'd be totally fine with people sticking their gum all over my tombstone. <laughs> I... I want it. I do want it. Some sort of like weird interactive thing where it's like, oh, whenever you go to this part of town, you have to do this. This is like a tradition here. This is how M lives on in the afterlife, just making themselves a roadside attraction. And I'm not kidding. I would want selfies the entire time. So, telling you now, one day when I'm not here, wherever this I sounds lay, like so much work. Okay, I would really like maybe come up with a hashtag situation. Oh. I don't know. You let me know, but I would like to still be involved socially. I don't think my my butterfly spirit will die. No, you'll still be hanging around waiting for attention. Mm-hmm. I think like maybe put a
1: Ouija board on mine and see if you <gasps> can talk to me, you know, like I'll be just like there if anyone wants
0: to chat. What if we both had Ouija boards on our tombstones and they talk to each other? We could just talk. <laughs> we would never stop it's talking. like a Dixie cup on a string. but <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Well, I'll let you know, I guess what happens or I, I won't because I won't be here. I,
1: we'll probably find out one way or another.
0: Well, either way, he got to design his own tombstone. I'm now jealous of him. And also, there are streets named after him and his wife, Perinelle. Oh, that's cute. So, I don't know. The city of Los Angeles, keep it in the back of your mind if you want to name a street after me. That's cool. Okay. In terms of pop culture, it seems like alchemy and the occult lead us back to the same franchise, HP. There we go. And the first book in this series is actually called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. The American version is known as the Sorcerer's Stone. In the story of the Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone, Flamel is a character who had possession of the Philosopher's Stone at one point in his long, eternal life. Oh. And Flamel is mentioned also in Victor Hugo's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And author, not star of The Office, Michael Scott, <laughs> wrote a series called The Secrets of the Immortal Nicholas Flamel. Ooh. It does sound like a spinoff to Threat Level Midnight, though. <laughs> In 2014, the film As Above, So Below was a found-footage-style horror movie that followed a group going into the catacombs of Paris to find <gasps> Nicholas Flamel's Philosopher's Stone. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. No. It sounds spooky. It sounds really cool. It sounds like a... Like a Blair Witch yeah. reboot.
1: I yeah. want to watch that.
0: Anyway, that's what I got for you on, on Nicholas Flamel. Wow. What a story, man. And knowing all this now, do you think Nicholas Flamel really found the Philosopher's Stone or the Elixir of Life? I feel like my gut says
1: no. And I want it to be true in a way because obviously it's such a cool idea and concept and a mystery, but the only sighting the only proof quote unquote was that one sighting at a par- like at an opera house and i feel like that's not enough for me to feel like confident that this guy might still be out there mm-hmm. you know if he makes his makes a twitter account and shows up <laughs> maybe i'll believe him but i think for now i'm kind of like maybe he figured out the whole lead to gold thing but i don't think he lived forever
0: what do you think well, since we're talking in metaphors, I think he found whatever like the symbol of a philosopher's stone was or he found like a, a metaphorical elixir of life, but I don't know if he found like an actual magical stone. Mm. I wonder if the, if it's this the concept we were having where like maybe the elixir of life wears off every now and then. Like, I like to, I don't know why, but in my mind I'm making it more of like a lifetime movie than, than necessary, but maybe he lived long enough and then it, it's some sort of poetic moment, he was like, I need to design my own tombstone and get on out of here.
1: Yeah, but then if he really died at the point where his tombstone went up, then he didn't live much longer than, than mm. he just lived a normal life, right? Because he died at a normal time, right? Mm-hmm. Allegedly. I don't know. Allegedly. I wonder. I wonder. I mean, I like to think that there's this mystery, but I feel like there's not. I mean, I do wonder if maybe he did figure out how to turn let into gold the fact that he wrote it in his diary is very interesting
0: yeah i also do- i also wonder if he's just like writing stuff in a diary just to like mess with people i don't know it'd <laughs> be a really weird prank but maybe <laughs> i'd like to think i would leave a note somewhere in a diary and like it'd be like the first clue well we're not going to believe your diary no okay. yeah Fair enough. You said he was on scavenger hunt. That's true. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, maybe he was like, this will keep me going for all of time. And then he would still technically live eternally in some way. Oh, so it's all just metaphorical. Maybe. I don't know.
1: Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week
0: with another great episode. Information on today's episode came from Historic Mysteries, Paris Unlocked, Time Magazine, Atlas Obscura, IGN, and Looper.
1: Remember to follow Rituals on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. And you can listen to this and all other episodes of Rituals for free exclusively on Spotify.
0: And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. You can find me at The M. Schultz. And you can find me at Extine Schieffer. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week. Rituals is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. Research by Chelsea Wood. Fact checking by Katherine Barner. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Jonathan Ratliff with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Christine Schieffer and M. Schultz.